Welcome to the video book summary of The Four Disciplines of Execution, episode 67 from Best Book Bits. This book was published in 2012 and weighing in at 296 pages. Written by three authors, the four disciplines exist for one reason, to execute on a plan in the midst of the whirlwind of distractions. Most people are so busy just maintaining the business, just keeping their heads above water, most of the time they can't even hear you let alone execute on your most important priorities. The four disciplines focus your team's energy on a winning game in the midst of distraction. This is Paul Miner's take on the best book bits he found worth capturing from the website paulminers.com. If you like what you hear, I strongly suggest you buy the book using the link in the description. So without further ado, I bring you the four disciplines of execution. Discipline one, focus on the widely important. The first discipline is to focus your nest effort on one or two goals that will make all the difference. Instead of giving mediocre effort to dozens of goals, execute starts with focus. Without it, the other three disciplines won't be able to help you. Focusing on the wildly important means narrowing the number of goals you are tempted to accomplish beyond the day-to-day demands of your whirlwind. Discipline one is about applying more energy against fewer goals because when it comes to setting goals, The law of diminishing returns is as real as the law of gravity. One thing, the fundamental principle at work in Discipline 1 is that human beings are genetically hardwired to do one thing at a time with excellence. Science tells us that the human brain can give full focus to only a single object at any given moment. You can't even give your best effort to driving a car while talking on the mobile phone and eating a burger, let alone juggle multiple important business goals at once. In our culture of multitasking, the neural circuits devoted to scanning, skimming, and multitasking are expanding and strengthening, while those used for reading and thinking deeply with sustained concentration are weakening or eroding. One wildly important goal, WIG. Of course, you don't have to overload the brain. You can leverage the brain's capacity to concentrate superbly on one wildly important goal at a time, while still being aware of the other priorities. Wigs are the goals you must achieve with total excellence beyond the circling priorities of your day-to-day. To succeed, you must be willing to make the hard choices that separate what is wildly important from all the many other merely important goals on your radar. Then you must approach that wig with focus and diligence until it is delivered as promised with excellence. That doesn't mean you abandon all your other important goals. They're still on your radar, but they don't require your nest diligence and effort right now. The Leader's Challenge Why is there so much pressure towards expanding rather than narrowing the goals? If you understand the need to focus, why is it so difficult to actually do it? You might say that as a leader, it's because you can always see more than a dozen existing things that need improvement and other dozen new opportunities you like to be chasing on any given day. However, more often than any of these external factors, there's one real culprit that creates most of the problems, you. Although the tendencies that drive you to the higher side of the scale are well-intentioned, in a very real sense, you are often your own worst enemy. Being aware of these tendencies is a good place to start. Things to be aware of. Number one, one reason you may drive your team to take on too much is that as a leader, you tend to be ambitious and creative. The problem is that the creative, ambitious people always want to do more, not less. Two, Another reason you might lead your team to go after too many goals is to hedge your bets. In other words, 
if your team pursues everything, then it seems likely that something might work. So you may resist the increased accountability for results that would come with fewer goals and instead rely on the sheer volume of effort to drive your success. Number three, however, the greatest challenge you face in narrowing your goals is simply that it requires you to say no to a lot of good ideas. It may even mean saying no to some great ideas. At least for now, nothing is more counterintuitive for the leader than saying no to a good idea. And nothing as a bigger destroyer of focus than always saying yes. There will always be more good ideas than there is the capacity to execute. Say no. As Stephen R. Covey says, you have to decide what your highest priorities are and have the courage, pleasantly smiling, unapologetically, to say no to other things. And the way you do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside. Once you understand the importance of saying no to good ideas in order to keep your team focused narrow, you can avoid the first two focus traps. Not everything can be a wig. However, the second trap, trying to turn everything into a whirlwind into a wig is even more common. Once caught in it, you may try to turn everything into a worldwide day job into a goal. Unless you can achieve your goal with a stroke of a pen, success is going to require your team to change their behavior. And then they simply cannot change their many behaviors at once, no matter how badly you want them to. Trying to significantly improve every measure in the whirlwind will consume all your time and leave you with very little to show for it. Now what? Narrow your focus to one or two wildly important goals and consistently invest the team's time and energy into them. In other words, if you want a high-focus, high-performance team members, they must have something wildly important to focus on. Identifying the wig. A wildly important goal is a goal that can make all the difference because it's your strategic tipping point. You're going to commit to apply a disproportionate amount of energy to it, the 20% that is not used up in the whirlwind. Sometimes the choice of the wig is obvious, but at other times it can be confusing. The urgent priorities in the whirlwind are always competing to be the most important and a very good argument can usually be made for choosing any of them. In determining your wildly important goal, don't ask what's most important. Instead, begin by asking, if every other area of your operation remained at its current level of performance, what is that one area where change would have the greatest impact? This question changes the way you think and lets you clearly identify the focus that would make all the difference. Two options. Your wildly important goal will come from one of the two categories, either from within the whirlwind or from outside it. Within the whirlwind, it could be something so badly broken that it must be fixed, or it could be a key element of your value proposition that isn't being delivered. Outside the whirlwind, the choices tend to be about repositioning yourself strategically, launching a new product or service, either to counter a competitive threat or seize a huge opportunity. Could be a wig that would make all the difference. Whether your wig comes from within, the whirlwind, or outside it. Your real aim is not only to achieve it, but also then to make the new level of performance a natural part of your team's operation. Focusing and organization. Up to this point, we've talked a lot about narrowing the focus as it relates to you and your team. This in itself is a huge challenge. Narrowing the focus for your entire organization or even a large portion of an organization, however, is a much bigger challenge. There are some rules to follow. Number one, 
no team focuses on more than two weeks. Number two, the battles you choose must win the war. Three, senior leaders can veto, but not dictate. Four, all wigs must have a finish line in the form of X, Y, by Z. Discipline two, the act on the lead measures. The second discipline is to apply disproportionately energy to the activities that drive you to lead measures. This provides the leverage for achieving the lag measures. Discipline two is the discipline of leverage. Lead measures are the measures of the activities most connected to achieving the goal. Discipline one takes the widely important goal for an organization and breaks it down into a set of specific measurable targets until every team has a wildly important goal that it can own. Discipline two then defines the leverage actions that will enable the team to achieve the goal. Lag measures and lead measures. A lag measure tells you if you've achieved the goal. A lead measure tells you if you're likely to achieve the goal. While a lag measure is hard to do anything about, a lead measure is virtually within your control. For example, while you can't control how often your car breaks down on the road, a lag measure, you can certainly control how often your car receives routine maintenance, a lead measure. And the more you act on the lead measure, the more likely you are to avoid the roadside breakdown. A lag measure is a measurement of result you are trying to achieve. We call the lag measures because by the time you get that data, the result had already happened. They are always lagging. The whirlwind is full of lag measures such as revenue, accounts payable, inventory numbers, and so forth. Lead measures are different. They foretell the result. They have two primary characteristics. First, a lead measure is predictive, meaning that if the lead measure changes, you can predict the lag measures also will change. Second, a lead measure is influenceable. It can be directly influenced by the team. That is, the team can make a lead measure happen without significant dependence on another team. Define the daily and weekly measures. Long-term plans created by most organizations are often too rigid. They lack the ability to adapt to constantly changing needs and environments of the business. Discipline 2 requires you to define the daily and weekly measures, the achievement of which can lead to the goal. Then each day or week, your team identifies the most important actions that will drive those lead measures. In this way, your team is creating a just-in-time plan that enables them to quickly adapt while remaining focused on the week. Lead measures. In discipline two, you created lead measures, the movement of which will become the driving force of achieving the week. In the months ahead, your team will invest consistent energy towards moving these lead measures, and as we've seen with hundreds of teams, this investment will be the key to their success. For example, week of achieving weight loss. Obviously, the lag measure will be your weight as reflected on the bathroom scales. If you format this week correctly, you might define it as decreased total body weight from 190 pounds to 175 pounds by May 30. From X to Y by when? This is a good start. But what are the lead measures that will be the predictive of achieving the goal and equally important, that you can influence. You would likely choose both diet and exercise, and of course, you'd be right. These two measures fulfill the first characteristics of being predictive. Reducing calories consumed and increasing calories burned strongly indicates that you lose weight. Just as important, however, these two lead measures are also directly influenced by you. Achieve these two lead measures at the level specified outside your daily whirlwind and you will see your lag measures moving when you step on the bathroom scale. Counterintuitive. 
There's a problem with lead measures. Where do leaders normally fixate? On lead measures or on lag measures? That's right. As a leader, you're likely spent your entire career focusing on lag measures, even though you can't directly affect them. We see this syndrome every day all around the world in every area of life. The sales leader fixates on total sales. The service leader fixates on customer satisfaction. Parents fixate on their children's grades and dieters fixate on the scale. And in virtually every case, fixating solely on the lag measures fails to drive results. There are two reasons almost all leaders do this. Number one, first, lag measures are the measures of success. They are results you have to achieve. Number two, second, data on the lag measures is almost always much easier to obtain and more visible than the data on lead measures. Data. In the end, it's the data on the lead measures that makes the difference. That enables you to close the gap between what you know your team should do and what they are actually doing. Without lead measures, you are left to try to manage the lag measures, an approach that seldom produces significant results. In simple terms, lag measure measures the goal, lead measure, predictive measures, something that leads to the goal, and influenceable, something we can influence. Now leverage. The key principle behind lead measures is simply this, leverage. Think of it this way. Achieving your wildly important goal is like trying to move a giant rock, but despite all the energy your team exerts, it doesn't move. It's no question of effort. It is where you and your team would already have moved it. The problem is that the effort alone isn't enough. Lead measures act like a lever, making it possible to move that rock. Get that data. Lead measure data is almost always more difficult to acquire than lag measure data, but you must pay the price to track your lead measures. We often see teams struggle with this, zeroing in on a high leverage lead measure only to say, wow, getting this data is going to take real work. We're too busy to do that. If you're serious about your wig, then you must can create a way to track your lead measures. Without data, you can't drive performance on the lead measures. Without lead measures, you don't have leverage. Lead measures and engagement. When a team defines its lead measures, they are making a strategic bet. In a sense, they are saying we're betting that by driving these lead measures, we're going to achieve our wildly important goal. They believe that the lever is going to move the rock. And because of that belief, they engage. Coming up with the right lead measures is really about helping everyone see themselves as strategic business partners and engaging them in dialogue about what can be done better or differently in order to achieve the wildly important goals. Discipline three, keep a compelling scorecard. The third discipline is to make sure everyone knows the scores at all times so that they can tell whether or not they are winning. This is a discipline of engagement. The difference in performance between a team that simply understands their lead and lag measures as a concept and a team that actually knows their score is remarkable. If the lead and lag measures are not captured on a visual board and updated regularly, they will disappear into the distraction of the whirlwind. Simply put, people disengage when they don't know the score. When they can see at a glance whether or not they are winning, they become profoundly engaged. In Discipline 3, your strategic bet for your team, their lead and lag measures are translated into visible, compelling scorecard. Visual. In implementing Discipline 3, you and your team need to build a player scorecard, one that's designed solely to engage the players on your team to win. 
If your scorecard includes complicated data that only you and your leader understand, it represents a leader's game. But for maximum engagement and performance, you need a player scorecard that makes it the team's game. The fundamental purpose of a player scorecard is to motivate the players to win. Characteristics of a compelling player scorecard. Number one, is it simple? It has to be simple. Show only the data necessary to play the game. Number two, can I see it easily? It has to be visible to all players. Visibility drives accountability. Number three, does it show lead and lag measures? The lead shows what the players can influence and the lag shows the results. Number four, can I tell at a glance if I'm winning? You need to be able to tell within a five second glance. Playing to win. One of the most demoralizing aspects of life in the whirlwind is that you don't feel you can win. If your team is operating exclusively in the whirlwind, they're giving everything they've just had to sustain their day-to-day operations and survive. They're not playing to win. They're playing not to lose, and the result is a big difference in performance. In essence, you and your team make a bet that you can move the lead measures and that those lead measures can move the lag measure. When it starts to work, even people who have some little interest become very engaged as the entire team starts to see that they are winning, often for the first time. Keep in mind that their engagement is not because the organization is winning or even that you as a leader are winning, it's because they are winning. Engagement drives results or results drive engagement. Many believe that the engagement drive results. However, we know now that results drive engagement. This is particularly true when the team can see that the direct impact their actions have on the results. Nothing affects morale and engagement more powerfully than when a person feels he or she is winning. In many cases, winning is more powerful driver of engagement than money. Benefits package, working conditions, whether you have a best friend at work or even whether you like your boss, all of which are typical measures of engagement. People will work for money and they will quit over money but many teams are filled with people who are both well-paid and miserable in their jobs. Scoreboards can be a very powerful way to engage employees. A motivating player's scoreboard not only drives results, but uses the visible power of progress to instill the mindset of winning. Discipline four, create a cadence of accountability. The fourth discipline is to create a cadence of accountability, a frequently recurring cycle of accounting for past performances and planning to move the scoreboard. Discipline 4 is where execution actually happens. As we've said, Discipline 1, 2, and 3 set up the game. But until you apply Discipline 4, your team isn't in the game. This is a discipline that brings the team members all together. And that is why it encompasses the other disciplines. Great teams operate with high level of accountability. Without it, team members go off in all directions with each doing what he or she thinks is the most important. Under this approach, the whirlwind soon takes over. Disciplines 1, 2, and 3 bring focus, clarity, and engagement, which are powerful and necessary elements for your success. But discipline 4, you and your team ensure that the goal is achieved no matter what is going on around you. The wig session. In discipline 4, your team meets each at least weekly in a wig session. This meeting, which lasts no longer than, say, 20 or 30 minutes, has a set agenda and goes quickly. Establishing your weekly rhythm of accountability for driving progress towards the wildly important goal. The discipline literally makes the difference between successful and failed execution. 
The focus of the week session is simple, to hold each other accountable for taking actions that will move the lead measures, resulting in the achievements of the week despite the whirlwind. Easy to say, but hard to do. To ensure that this focus is achieved every week, two rules of the week session must be absolutely followed. The rules. Number one, first the week session should be held on the same day and at the same time every week. This consistently is critical. Without it, your team will never be able to establish a sustained rhythm of performance. Missing even a single week causes you to lose valuable momentum, and this loss of momentum impacts your results. This means that the week session is scarce. It takes place every week, and even if the leader can't attend and has to delegate the role of leading it. Second, the whirlwind is never allowed into a week session. No matter how urgent an issue may seem, discussion in the week session is limited solely to the actions and results that move the scoreboard. This high level of focus, focus makes the week session not only fast, but extremely effective at producing the results you want. And number three, keeping your week sessions to 20 to 30 minutes is a standard to strive for any team in any function can learn to conduct fast, efficient sessions centered on the widely important goals in a place of protracted meetings covering everything under the sun. The agenda. Number one, account. Report on commitments. Number two, review the scoreboard. Learn from successes and failures. And number three, plan. Clear the path and make new commitments. Staying focused. To prepare for meetings, every team member thinks about the same question. What are the one or two most important things I can do this week to impact the lead measures? This focus on impacting the lead measures each week is critical because the lead measures are the team's leverage for achieving the week. The commitments represent the things that must happen beyond the day-to-day to move the lead measures. This is why so much emphasis is placed in Discipline 2 on ensuring that the lead measures are influenceable so that the team can actually move them through their performance each week. Simply put, the keeping of weekly commitments drives the lead measures and the lead measures drive achievements of the week. Creating a cadence. Remember that the week session should move at a fast pace. If each person simply addresses the three candidates items described earlier, it doesn't require a lot of talking. The week sessions also give the team a chance to process what they've learned about what does and what doesn't work. If the lead measures aren't moving the lag, the team brings creative thinking to the table, suggesting new hypotheses to try. If people are running into obstacles keeping their commitments, team members can commit to clear the path for each other. What might be tough for a frontline worker to achieve might take just a stroke of the pen for the team leader. In fact, as the leader, you should often ask each team member, what can I do this week to clear the path for you? As you begin to understand the week session, you'll also see more clearly the importance of the two characteristics of lead measures we discussed in Discipline 2. If the lead measures are influenceable, they can be moved to the weekly commitments. If they are predictive, then moving them will lead to achievements of the week. The black and the grey. Finally, the week session saves your wildly important goals from being engulfed by the whirlwind. When visualizing the day, the grey represents the time dedicated to the whirlwind, day-to-day tasks. The black represents your weekly commitments to the week. When we introduce Discipline 4 into our process, some leaders mistakenly picture a week that's mostly black, meaning that commitments are the predominant focus for the week. This seldom represents reality. The vast majority of your energy will be spent managing your day-to-day priorities as it should be. But the critical value of four disciplines is ensuring 
that the black, your investment over and above your day-to-day, stays consistently focused on your wig. If your all-gray wigs become a regular experience, you will feel your life draining out as a leader. Even worse, you will see the same feelings rejected in the engagement and the performance of the team. Wig sessions are the antidote to all gray wigs. When the discipline of holding the wig sessions is sustained, when you and your team force the black into the gray every week, not only will you make a consistent progress towards your goals, you'll also begin to feel that you, rather than the whirlwind, are in charge. Wig sessions and engagements. Three reasons individuals disengage from work. Number one, anonymity. They feel their leaders don't care or care what they are doing. Number two, irrelevance. They don't understand how their job makes a difference. And number three, immeasurement. They cannot measure or assess themselves the contribution they are making. On a team that keeps the candidates of the wig sessions, the individual members are not anonymous. On contrary, they are in the spotlight at least once a week. They are also not irrelevant because they can see exactly how the commitment are moving the lead measures that drive a wildly important goal. And they are definitely not suffering from in measurement. They have clear and public scoreboards. That is updated weekly to react their performance. Creating an initiative culture. The week sessions encourage experimentation with fresh ideas. It engages everyone in problem solving and promotes shared learning. It's a forum for initiative insights as to how to move the lead measures. And because so much is at stake, it brings out the best thinking from every team member. The power four disciplines of execution. One of the key reasons that the 4DX works so powerfully is that it's based on timeless, inviolable principles, and it's proven to work with virtually any organization and in any environment. That's it. Thanks for watching episode 67, The Four Disciplines of Execution from Best Book Bits. Follow us on social, search us on Facebook and Instagram at Best Book Bits. If you liked the video, please Buy the book using the Amazon link in the video description. Subscribe to the channel for more book reviews. Give me feedback on what you think. Give us a thumbs up. Share with your friends. And if there is a book you want me to do a summary on, please let us know. Thanks for watching. Have a great day.